0: Man, are we loaded, loaded with content, two great guests, I don't often have guests, let alone two, and uh, lots to do. Now, many of you out there probably don't own a gun. Oh, this again? Hello. Many of you out there probably don't own a gun. So I want to walk you through a little process via our friend Matt Vespa over at Town Hall. The more you know, a reporter discovers that background checks work when denied a firearms purchase. I said, all right, this is a little different. Okay, let's look at the positives of this story. He says, the Business Insider reporter, Haley Peterson, tried to buy a gun at Walmart, to test the, quote, placement, selection, marketing, and security of firearms in Walmart stores and to learn more about the retailer's processes governing gun sales, unquote. In other words, she wanted to make sure that background checks work. Now, I thought to myself, well, oh, we have a real reporter, at least for these purposes, right? I'll bet most reporters have never even attempted to purchase a weapon, So they talk about things from an ideological perspective because they're social activists. So she's going to try and buy a gun, which is something that tens of millions of Americans have already done. And so she walks into a Walmart, and after the mass shooting in El Paso, Walmart's been hit with a petition to end all gun sales, of course. During the process... Reporter Peterson admits that the process was more complicated than the false narrative that's peddled by the liberal media, and most popular being that it's easier to buy a gun than cold medicine. Well, her journey just slapped all those clowns who thought that was the reality. Background checks are effective. Everyone who goes through a, fire, a federal firearms license dealer to buy their firearms which is the overwhelming majority of sales in this country, has to undergo a background check, period. It's federal law. Now, Walmart. selection of about 20 rifles and shotguns was displayed in a locked glass case behind the sporting goods counter. The guns ranged in price from $159 to $474. The counter in front of the guns displayed pocket knives, binoculars, and digital night vision monoculars binoculars inside a locked case. The selection of guns was limited compared with nearby gun stores, which offered dozens of different kinds of firearms, including handguns. Walmart stopped selling handguns in the 1990s and removed semi-automatic rifles, such as the AR-15, from their stores in 2015. Signs posted around the counter announced that all firearm and ammunition sales were final and that items could not be returned or exchanged for a refund or repair. One sign warned that this area of the store was being recorded. Another reminded shoppers of the laws around gun sales. A Walmart spokesman later told me that to sell firearms, employees must pass both an enhanced criminal background check and annual online training provided by Walmart that includes a mock gun transaction. Walmart also complies with state-specific requirements where applicable. Illinois, for example, requires people who sell guns to have a firearm owner identification card issued by the state police. All right, now, so Peterson, the reporter trying to purchase a gun in Virginia, had to fill out the federal 4473 form through the ATF along with one sent to the Virginia State Police. This is what I do. The piece is going to be mocked by the Second Amendment community for sure because, you know, those of us know how this works. But she had just moved here to Virginia, which is where she ran into the problem. She goes on. Under a section called Certification of Transferee, it asked about my criminal record, whether I had ever been convicted of a felony, subject to a restraining order, or prohibited from purchasing a firearm, among other specifics. In red print, the form said that, quote, an untruthful answer may subject you to criminal prosecution, unquote. The seller told me that my background check would likely be completed within a few minutes after I finished the paperwork. Actually, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes. Once the purchase was finalized, an employee would walk the gun out to my car with me. I'd only just finished printing my name when she stopped me and asked whether the address on my license matched my home address. Well, I'd moved since I obtained my license, and the addresses didn't match. That was a problem, she said. To pass the background check, I would need to bring in a government-issued document with my correct address, such as a bill from a a state-owned utility or a car registration. She apologized, told me the rules were strict around background checks, and asked me to come back another time to finish the purchase. So, she didn't get her gun. It's the law. Straw purchasers are prosecuted harshly, and they should be. In some states, they've increased the penalties. This is all known to most who support gun rights. It's alien to the liberal media. It actually lays out this piece, how background checks are not only are not some imaginary invention, and the retailers do follow the law. Federal gun charges are a serious business. It's also wrong to conduct yourself in an illegal way. Is there room to improve the national instant criminal background check? Probably. It's only as good as the information that's fed into it. It was totally preventable, the shooting in Sutherland Springs, Texas, as the Air Force veteran who committed the crime was convicted and sentenced to a year in jail for beating his wife and fracturing the skull of his child. Domestic abusers are barred by federal law from owning guns. The FBI was never informed of his conviction because the Air Force never passed along the proper paperwork, so it wasn't in the data bank. Most mass shooters buy their firearms legally, which makes the expanded background check talking point moot, but also a lot of exhibited signs of mental illness. There's no correct profile. The El Paso shooter was a white supremacist. The Dayton shooter was a self-avowed leftist who supported Elizabeth Warren and gun control. Anyway, I know of an individual who uh, had had a run-in with the law. And uh, they were released from jail. Everything was fine. And they went in to purchase a weapon. The problem is, it wasn't a violent crime or anything of that sort. The problem is, or the problem was, not enough time had gone by before they would qualify to purchase a weapon. And that person was rejected. Lots of people get rejected. It's just not that simple. It's a very serious form. It's a very serious business. You could be charged with a felony. There's a uh, a piece in an Israeli newspaper. And it's unfortunate it's not in an American newspaper. And this is something we need to talk about briefly. You'll see I posted something about... Rashida Talib's village that she keeps talking about, where there is oppression in the occupied territory by the Israelis, and that people are are in abject poverty, and there's no way out. Well, somebody took a look at her village. No, they don't work for CNN. They don't work for MSNBC. The New York Times or the Washington Post, ABC, CBS, NBC, the DNC? No. In fact, they didn't go to their village to take a look at their village. You know what they did, Mr. Producer? They went on Facebook and looked at the pictures that are on Facebook that were put on Facebook by Talibs Raja Talib Anas Talib Samach Talib about their communities about her family members who, who live in in this village Beit Ur-Ah-Fakha gotta watch how I pronounce that I want you to know what they found. Akiva Bigman at the Israeli Hayom news site. Not Jake Tapper. Not Fredo Cuomo. No. Not Andrea Mitchell. Not all the other uh, phonies and frauds, miscreants, and malcontents. You're going to love this. We'll be right back.
1: Mark
0: Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arne argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at LevinForHillsdale.com. That's L E V I N For Hillsdale.com. This woman's been in Congress for about 14 seconds. Celebrated by the media. Bigot, anti Semite. Liberals coming out of the woodwork, exposing themselves. It's not a pretty sight. But this is a battle that needs to be fought. Let's take a look at the village that Talib's family is in. And I want you to keep in mind that her description of her village was accepted by every media outlet in this country. Every damn one. None of them took the time to check out her allegations and characterizations. None of them. Why would they? The narrative is anti-Israel and pro-Hamas and pro-Palestinian authority. The narrative is that the Israelis, this is the narrative, Mostly white Europeans are putting down the Palestinians, mostly Arabs, uh, brown skin. Of course, it's a lie if you've ever been to Israel. It's far more diverse than the New York Times newsroom or CNN hosts or all the rest of the uh, buffoons. So this, of course, we have to go overseas to a newspaper. And all the guy did was look at Facebook. What is it really like to live in the Palestinian village of Beit-er-a-Fayouk, where Representative Rashida Tlaib's grandmother and other family members live? Are conditions there as bad as she has claimed? Well, if you look at the Facebook profiles of the people who actually live there, you'll discover that things are actually not bad at all. Aham Tlaib, <laughs> of the famous Tlaib-Tlaib-Tlaib Talib, Talib family, For example, he drives a brand new BMW. On his Facebook account, you can see that his family lives in a very comfortable three-story building. Raja Talib. Never ends these Talibs. Shared on his Facebook account pictures of himself posing next to his new Mercedes. Wearing an expensive suit. He also has pictures showing him working out in a gym. That has the latest equipment. Mawad Talib uploaded pictures of his vacations in Italy and other places. And Anas Anas Talib has a very expensive Mercedes, too. They love those German cars. But then again, so did Adolf. Samach Talib drives a BMW. Naif Talib drives a Corvette convertible and uploaded pictures posing next to his new home under construction, also with three stories. Many of them also have pictures showing them visiting places in the Green Line, pre-1967 Israel, Jaffa, Tel Aviv, and so on. So oppressed. So perhaps all those checkpoints that supposedly make Palestinian life so miserable are just a myth? In fact, even the World Bank said in 2014 that this village is one of the richest in the region, The poverty rate in the village stood at 7.4%. You know, those people sleeping in the streets of San Francisco, Pelosi's nirvana, and the streets of L.A., Adam Schiffless's nirvana, crapping on themselves, crapping on each other, using needles. Sounds to me like that's a far worse place run by liberal Democrats Year after year, decade after decade, or as they say in Massachusetts, decade after decade. So there's 7.4% in 2014 unemployment in this village. Now, overall, the Palestinian Authority, it's 21%. That's a whole other story one day that I got to get into too. But anyway, back to that Talib village where well, there's an endless number of Talibs. Including Grandma Talib, Remember the picture of Grandma Talib in front of that dusty, clay and stone home? Remember that? Remember the other picture where she's smiling, carrying a package? Only a handful of villages have a lower poverty rate. And employment in the village is also among the lowest in the PA. But perhaps the most important statistic is this. The rate of social mobility in Beit Er Afakou, excuse me, is among the highest in the Palestinian Authority. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, she and her family are considered, you know, in the top 1% of Palestinian life. Her family's not impoverished. She's not impoverished. She's a complete fraud and a phony just like all Russia collusion stuff she's a fraud and a phony next thing you know she'll claim to be a Native American and try to go to law school or something according to a 2017 PA report on the quality of life of Palestinians the village has 230 households 215 structures are considered private residences 4 of them are actually single family homes attesting to their wealth more than 115 of them are in apartments and have 5 bedrooms or more All the structures are privately owned. Almost everyone has satellite TV. Most have LCD screens in the living rooms. Almost everyone in the village has access to the Internet and a mobile phone. Half of the families own a car. Oh, my goodness gracious. Such widespread oppression. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers three point nine million than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Primus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers and primus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right, you can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimis.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimis, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, .hillsdale.edu. Welcome to Hillsdale.
1: Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that
2: voice now, 877-381-3811.
0: Ooh, looky here. New York Times faces intense backlash after editors' uh, uh, anti-Semitic posts are exposed. What is with this New York Times and how the other media circle the wagons to defend them? The New York Times has a very, very grave problem. I saw somebody writing on, on, on one of my favorite sites. I'm trying to remember which one, and he said, you know... Look, uh, you know, papers make mistakes, whether it's uh, Stalin, with the with the Ukrainians, and whether it's the Holocaust, it's not that they make a mistake. It's an attitude that persists to this day. They line up behind the radical progressives. And the radical progressives are extremely hostile to Israel. And even though many of them are Jewish, not all, Many are Gentile. Many are Jewish. They're hostile to Jews and Judaism. And of course, when you say that, out of their ranks, these progressive leftists, they're furious. They go to synagogue. They go on the high holidays. They say they support Israel. But they support candidates and policies that are absolutely outrageous. They love Barack Obama who armed Israel's greatest enemy with $150 billion. They loved Barack Obama. They voted for him. They voted for John Kerry. John Kerry gave one of the most disgusting speeches in American diplomatic history on the way out the door, absolutely eviscerating that tiny little state of Israel. And then he voted, along with uh, Obama at his direction, present when there was another one of those... Attack on Israel, U.N. resolutions. And yet, doesn't bother Nina Lowy. Yes, these are our guys. Or Teddy Douche down there in uh, Florida. What? What's with the douches in the, in the Democrat Party, Mr. Producer? You got them on MSNBC. You got them in the Democrat Party. All these douche guys. Excuse me. Just telling you, that's their name. That's the Sephardic pronunciation. And uh, and then they stand up. I'm Jewish and I don't agree. Ah, shut the hell up. And then even friends of mine. I have all kinds of friends. But even some of my Jewish friends, they say things like, you know, it's not about being loyal to Trump. Loyal to Trump? How about loyal to your own survival? Donald Trump will be here and then Donald Trump will leave. And the consequences of the Trump presidency for the state of Israel have been beyond imagination. How about showing a little appreciation, a little support? It's not a matter of being loyal to Donald Trump. But when somebody's actually taking steps that no president has ever taken before, and he's actually reversing Obama's policies, which were down. All right, let me ask you this. How come. Barack Obama wasn't criticized for having members of the Muslim Brotherhood in the White House. Where are all the, the liberal, democratic, Jewish members of Congress? And again, I speak as a Jew. Where were the editorial pages at the New York Slimes? Remember what I said: the New York Slimes is anti-Jewish, anti-Israel. It's also anti-American, by the way. And I've told you many, many times. That's not an accident. Where was Jake Tapper? Wolf Blitzer. These are Jewish gentlemen. Fredo Cuomo. I forget about him. By the way, I think the word Fredo ought to be used to describe every member of the media. You got Fredo Andrea Mitchell. You got Fredo uh, Jake Tapper. kind of works. The Fredos. Now, for me, speaking for myself, how can be a member of a party that embraces Al Sharpton? Not only tolerates some embraces him, how can be a member of a party that makes Keith Ellison the deputy chairman? How can be a member of a party that votes present when all our enemies and Israel's enemies are voting against Israel at the UN? How can you be a member of a party Whose president supported the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt? How can you be a member of a party that supported and voted for the Iran nuclear deal? I can't. Not in good conscience. Who the hell would join an entity like that? Watch oh, the Democrat Party? Well, who cares? Whatever it's called. The Kumquat Party. How can you be a member of a party like that? How can you voluntarily party? I'll tell you how. You're chairman of a committee, you like your power, you like being called congressman, you come out of these Democrat hellholes and you don't lose your seat. And then they pretend they wrap themselves in this, uh, in, in, in feigned morality. In feigned morality. Let me try it this way. What the hell has Chuck Schumer ever done for the state of Israel? Well, oh my God. He's done nothing that comes close to what Trump has done. Matter of fact, what has any Jewish member of Congress done for the state of Israel that comes anywhere close to what the Gentile Donald Trump has done for the state of Israel? Nothing. Not anywhere close. So you can see the insanity from where I sit. as a conservative pro-American citizen looking at this as an American, as a Jew. Because I know that these same liberals think of me and every other conservative who's a Jew exactly the way they think of Trump. And so it does no good when I hear these other conservatives who are also Jewish, some of whom are quite religious. Feigning concern about what Trump said, no, Trump. That dual loyalty thing, dual loyalty thing. There is no dual loyalty thing in what he said. It has nothing to do with the trope about dual loyalty. It's incoherent. And this only comes up because of these reprobates, Talib, Omar, and Ayach. These are bigots and every story's turned into an anti-Trump story. No matter what this man does, no matter what his actions are, no matter what his record is. He's mentally ill, he's racist, he's anti-semitic. When will the Republicans kick him out of office? What's wrong with his supporters? These clowns never look in the mirror. Never. Never self-policing. And many of them hate this country. You know, America started in 1619 with the first slave. No, it didn't. No, it didn't, you holocaust denying crap. May I say? The media. I am so proud that I wrote this book on the media and that so many of you have been inspired by it. So, I look at this I think quite reasonably and logically. I don't play the game of the left and the media and the Democrat Party. I'm not participating. I don't count out of them. Joe Scarborough goes on the rant. This reminds him of the 1930s. I didn't know Joe Scarborough was around in the 1930s. But Joe Scarborough is an ignoramus. The 1930s. But you know what, it reminds me of the 1930s. Oh yes, it does. The New York Times, fronting for anti-Semites, doing its best to censor their true motives and positions through omission and cover-up and the rest of the media following them. you have certain jewish groups and certain jews trying to draw the attention of the media and the nation to what's taking place and the media hate their guts they think they're too jewish it might even be zionist
1: oh my god
0: and so the media don't want to seem too pro you know pro jew it's not, it's not a good look so we can, we can't do that And so, they changed the narrative. They changed the narrative. Let me ask you a question. If Donald Trump had been president rather than Franklin Roosevelt, and the St. Louis had come to the shores of the United States with almost a thousand Jews who escaped the Third Reich, they were turned away in Cuba, they come to our shores... They were turned away by the Franklin Roosevelt administration. Who the Democrats and liberals think is the greatest president in history. And he turn Japanese American He did a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff, you know. Basically destroyed the Constitution. That's why they love him. Do you think uh, Donald Trump would have sent the St. Louis back to Germany? The answer is no. I don't think he would have sent the St. Louis back to Germany... At all. But Franklin knows about that. Do you think he would have walked out, again, we're projecting, in front of that media gaggle with a collective IQ of negative 17 in front of the helicopter, and there'd be the New York Times reporter and the Washington Post reporter and the other reporters pretending that the Holocaust didn't exist. Do you think he'd point to them and say, Hey, Peter, You're the worst. You're the worst how you cover up for this Hitler and for this Third Reich and what they're doing over there. I think that's exactly what he would have done. They celebrate Franklin Roosevelt. The Democrat Party celebrates Franklin Roosevelt. Ted Douche in Florida celebrates Franklin Roosevelt. Gerald Nadler Nita Lowey, Ally and Engel, they celebrate Franklin Roosevelt. Chuck Schumer, the media, A.A. Omar, Talib. all celebrate Franklin Roosevelt. Why? The internment of Japanese Americans? They say, Trump's interning people. No, actually, he's not. Roosevelt did. Roosevelt did. The more people coming into this country now, unfortunately, illegally, but also legally, than any time in American history. Is that what took place when Franklin Roosevelt was president? No, he turned away the St. Louis. He wouldn't even let that ship in. Let me tell you, and those people had a reason to be here, to get out of Germany. That's your Democrat Party. That's your media. Always on the wrong side of history. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. They're the real free press. Donald Trump is mentally ill, you see. When we come back, we're going to take a look at Chuck Todd's mental health. Chuck Todd, Democrat. Wife is an active Democrat. I think he goes to synagogue in Maryland. And NBC has handed its news operation open to this, over to this reprobate. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness, They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, It remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools Well, that Trump is some racist trying to uh, get rid of Madero to save the Venezuelan people, isn't he? Oh, yeah. That's that's some racist, that Trump with the opportunity zones in the inner cities and trying to uh, bring economic uh, prosperity across the country, but especially to minority communities. And that prison reform, I didn't agree with it, but he certainly did. Uh, Something that Obama couldn't push across the finish line. I mean... There's so much evidence, isn't there, ladies and gentlemen? And, of course, in the private sector. During the course of his career, his construction companies, developments, they hired thousands and thousands of minorities. More than, I'm sure, uh, CNN, because CNN has a lawsuit, maybe they settled it by now, by uh, African Americans at CNN, saying that they are denying top executive jobs to black people. But, now we can't talk about that. And, of course, the top seat over there at the New York Slimes is always held by one of the inbreds. Ox, Solzberger. Solzberger Ox. Oh, well. Now, of course, the New York Times has a mission. To get the news? No. To get Trump? That's been its mission. It's a crap newspaper, ladies and gentlemen. I wouldn't even put it in a birdcage. be be afraid the bird would uh, catch some disease. You know, China's on the move, Iran's on the move, Russia's on the move. Spending continues to ride, illegal immigrants coming across the border. None of this is talked about in any sustained, rational, interconnected way. All last week, hey, did you know Trump's a racist? Trump's a racist. I mean, it gives you a headache. Morons with microphones and cameras in their face. It gives you a headache. Nothing of substance, only pontification by Democrat mouthpieces about pseudo-events. Man, oh man, I'm loaded. I got lots to go. I'll be right back.
1: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark
0: Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, I have a list of clips here from the various shows during the day at MSNBC and CNN. And they're all pretty much the same, aren't they, Mr. Producer? The same narrative, same playbook, the pack media, the groupthink. Adam Schiff on the morning schmo about Trump's insanity. Chuck Todd, on MSNBC. Washington's un-American. Aids are leaking that they're concerned with Trump. Joe Garamendi, from California, always wanted to be a governor but failed. Trump would be in a mental institution if he wasn't president. Anna Navarro, who is a carnival barker that they put on TV because she's a former Republican puke for McCain or something. Oh, Jeb Bush, sorry. Sorry. Gee. Anyway, Trump's insane. Rick Wilson. I call Rick Wilson a snake, but I don't want to really offend snakes. The guy looks like he's been a uh, dartboard for a long time. Very. Anyway, so, uh, evidence building, Trump's not a well man. Jeffrey Toobin. Trump acting like a lunatic. Day in and day out, these corporate media sites, Comcast, CNN, and AT&T's, excuse me, Comcast, MSNBC, and AT&T's CNN. It's the same thing, same thing. No independent thinking. It's all knee-jerk. Now, Chuck Todd is the Fredo of MSNBC, and there are a lot of Fredos there. Can't really pick one Fredo. So, uh, the media is one big Fredo village. They're Fredoites. I like that, Mr. Smith. Let me write that down. Fredoites. Okay. All right, backbenchers, grab it. So, anyway, we have Chuck Todd. Now, Chuck Todd is a man of really no substance whatsoever. He's never really accomplished anything outside of... Kissing his ass up the ladder at MSLSD and NBC. Not bright in the least. Doesn't bring any real world experience. Unless you consider being a frat boy out of Miami being real world experience. You can't even pick a barber. I don't know who's cutting his hair. Maybe it's the butcher. But he's on MSNBC today. And let me ask, does this guy sound like a newsman? Cut to go.
2: Welcome to a day when we do feel compelled to tell you again that what is now the norm in Washington is not normal. And in many ways, it's very un-American.
0: Whoa. When I call things and people un-American,
2: Mr. Producer,
0: I'm attacked. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Chuck Todd. Go ahead.
2: I have to say it, but it is not normal, nor is it American, to call Jewish Americans disloyal if they somehow vote for the Democrats.
0: Now, he's really angry about this. Not so much for the Jewish part, but the Democrat part. He's a Democrat. His wife is a Democrat consultant. They go to a synagogue in a Democrat area of Maryland. What else? And so now he'll wrap himself in um, the dual... Loyalty, disloyalty, anti-Semitism, blanket. He wasn't offended by Omar, Talib, Keith Ellison, Sharpton, the Iran deal, the treatment of Netanyahu, the effort by the State Department to overthrow the Netanyahu. Now, none of that bothered him. But this really gets him, boy, because this is an american What's going on in Washington is not normal. Go ahead.
2: It is not normal, let alone very American, to cancel a trip to Denmark because they won't sell us Greenland.
0: That's not why he canceled the trip to Denmark. Speaking of not normal, that would define you pretty well. He didn't like the way the prime minister expressed herself. You know, these, these clowns are just not used to a strong figure who pushes his agenda... Which is not their agenda. They're not used to it. And they don't like it. They're used to patsy Republicans. And let me tell you something. Ronald Reagan used to get cream too. Nothing like this. Don't get me wrong. Nothing like this. Well, what they want is a Kasich in there. So you can't even tell that You know, or a Romney. They're now they're going to rip the hell out of them too. Because they want their guy or gal. But in the end, they definitely do not want... A strong Republican. Go ahead.
2: Nothing to do with buying Greenland in the first place. You gotta, I know you got to keep track of your denials from this White House sometimes. It is not normal to deny... This guy's a reporter. Okay?
0: Well, what's he doing here? What's he doing here? He's burping up his stupidity. This is what they discuss. After Saturday services with their sugar cookies and their grape juice. This is what they discuss in Democrat circles. This is what they discuss in newsrooms. And he's going to get on there, boy, and he's going to go, what for? Oh, man, what for? Go ahead.
2: Cut is on the table. Then confirm a tax cut is on the table. Then again, deny it all in the space of 36 hours and expect any of us to take you seriously. You know, they
0: used to call these trial balloons, and nobody ever responded to a trial balloon the way this hysterical buffoon is. Is this guy on his meds? Maybe he ought to be on meds. Or is he already on meds? We just don't know about it. Go ahead.
2: It is not normal that we can't take the president seriously because taxes in Greenland are just two in a long list of things. He's completely reversed himself on recently. Sometimes he reverses How did he reverse
0: himself on Greenland? Or taxes? They said they can't do it right now, but they're going to put a package together. They flew up some trial balloons. What, what is with this fool? He's a real clown. He's a real bozo. And he's writing a book, by the way, on, uh, on Trump. And he's trying to figure out, uh, that's what I hear, which radio host really is the, uh, the strongest one in promoting Trump, opposing Trump. They write about their own reality. Not one of these bastards who writes about me and talk radio and the influence has ever talked to me. And not one of these bastards has ever read any of my books. Yet they presume to know me. They know nothing about me. But we know a lot about them.
2: Go ahead. Try to keep up with the background check business. And maybe the most important and consequential piece of all of this, it is not normal for the Republican Party to enable this, to sit back. You
0: see, you see, here we have a Democrat, a phony fraud journalist, insisting that Republicans, and he does this all the time, and they all do, rise up and force out their president. Rise up and force out their president. Well, if he's such a disaster, what are they worried about? They'll get one of their heroes. You know, Kamala Harris. Elizabeth Warren. They never treat the Democrats like this. They never go through Elizabeth Warren like this. Hey, Chuck, here's your problem, pal. You're stupid. And you're an ideologue. And you know damn well that I know what I'm talking about. You don't go through Elizabeth Warren's proposals like this how stupid they are. You damn well don't trash Joe Biden, who can't complete a sentence without the dentures falling out of his mouth. And the other conga line of of frauds and freaks that are running for president of the United States, you dare not treat them that way. You dare not talk about them that way. Or your whole damn pathetic carbon footprint of a waste network that uses the word Hitler More than anybody else. Cut three. Go.
2: This is no way to run a country. This is no way to talk about a country's citizens. Who the
0: hell do you think you are, punk? Who the hell do you think you are? We have relative prosperity, relative peace. But for the media and the Democrat Party, tearing us apart based on race. Tearing us apart based on income, trashing one industry after another, refusing to secure a border like any normal rational nation. I'll tell you what's un-American. You're un-American. Your media outlet's un-American. You want to do un-American? I'll do un-American. The agenda that the Democrats are pushing, un-American. Open borders for illegal immigrants to pour into this country, unheard of in our entire history, UnAmerican. Tax rates of seventy to ninety percent being proposed, un-American. Wealth taxes, un-American. Nationalizing health care, un-American. Free college, un-American. Paying off debt, un-American. Minimum guaranteed income, un-American. Omar, un-American. Talib, un-American. Ayak, un-American. Now we're talking un-American.
2: Go ahead. This is no way to run a country. This is no way to talk about a country's citizens. It's no way to treat the What the hell American are you
0: act. talking about, moron? No way to talk about the country's citizens? This is a very patriotic president, unlike you. Tell me, what have you ever done for your country? Name one damn thing. One thing. Anybody know what Chuck Todd's ever done for this country? I don't want to. It's very really un-American. I could use my third cup of coffee there, Doris. It's very un-American.
2: Go ahead. And here's the thing. Everybody in Washington knows this. Staff members at the White House know now, this. look,
0: ladies and gentlemen, if you don't agree with me, you don't know what's going on. Everybody, everybody in Washington knows this. Now, this is a guy and his ilk that have been saying, hey, look, you know, we Jewish people, we have a diversity of thought. That's true. And then you say, everybody in Washington knows Trump's mentally unstable. See, we've circled back to that. Now it's mentally unstable week. You know, we have National Candy Day and National Kumquat Day, National Take Your Kid to Work Day, but every week it's a Trump week. It's Mental Illness Week. Next week it's uh, Racist Week. The week after that it's Impeachment Week. Then the week after that, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be, uh, you know, whatever you want. And the media, they have their weeks. All sound alike, because they are all alike. Go ahead.
2: Top officials inside the Republican Party know this. In fact, that's probably why. No, 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 it's not probably. This is why White House aides keep leaking all these crazy anecdotes that we hear about, because they're concerned.
0: What crazy anecdotes? Why is it crazy to want to buy Greenland? I don't even understand. Does this guy understand History. You understand the Louisiana Purchase? Was Jefferson crazy? He didn't even go to Congress. Thank God for the Louisiana Purchase. How about President Polk? Is he familiar with President Polk? Hello, Texas. Hello, California, among other places. Thank you, President Polk. Is he familiar with that? Harry Truman wanting to buy uh, Greenland. Why is this so weird? He's trying to strengthen the United States. Well, the Democrats and the media are trying to water down the United States. The United States began in 1619 when they uh, imported their first... Li- oh, oh, thank you. Shut up over there at the New York Times. You're unreliable. But look what our media has become. We have an anti-Semitic newspaper in the New York Times for 100 years. Then we got people with barely a, uh, a fifth-grade knowledge of American history or economics or philosophy lecturing us you know it's a bad day in america today yeah bad day in america today. it's like a pre-bubescent buffoon
2: go ahead about this these are republicans trying in their own way to rein him in let's leak the greenland business let's see if maybe that well maybe
0: some republicans are but then there's republicans like me chuck who are trying to rein fools like you in trying to rein in your party trying to rein in your anti-Semites and your bigots and your racialists. Trying to rein in your Marxists and your socialists. Trying to rein in your your anti-cop, anti-military morons. We're trying to rein you in too, Chuck. Over here. I'm over here, Chuck. I have a bigger audience than you do. I'm over here, Chuck. And I'm not leaking. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lubin.
0: Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Listen to me, you're always trashing the Fox News Channel. All those opinion guys over there. Not the news guys, they're very good, but the opinion guys over there at the Fox News Channel, you know, the ones that get the ratings and make the money for the station, yeah, yeah, they need to go, you see they're conservatives they need to go we need uniformity of ideology we have a message out here this is all so terrible daily wire new york times faces intense backlash after editors anti-semitism exposed you know this is almost like a daily story with this newspaper so why didn't chuck todd this morning trash the new york times why didn't camarada and the other blockheads on cnn trash the new york times today why didn't Mister Deliverance Banjo Player and his uh, lovely wife? Why didn't they trash the New York Times today? Where was Teddy Douche of the uh, of the, the Congressman from uh, from Southern Florida? Or Nita Lowey, or uh, Elliot Angles, or Jerry Nadler? Where were they all? Why weren't they trashing the New York Times, which is an anti-Semitic hotbed? It's quite obvious. Ryan Savadura, excuse me if I mispronounce, the New York Times faced intense backlash today after one of its editors, anti-Semitism, was exposed and the scandal trended to the top of Twitter, which led multiple high-profile figures and politicians to call for his firing. The latest anti-Semitism, the scandal to break out at the New York Times, and they dare to trash Trump, it's unbelievable, it came after writings from senior staff editor Tom Wright Persanti. Kiersanti, who oversees the infamously left-leaning newspaper's political coverage, he oversees their political coverage, were revealed on Thursday morning and showed years' worth of anti-Semitic and racist views. The revelation comes after the New York Times has repeatedly defended anti-Semites Omar and Talib, while trying to cast President Donald Trump, the most pro-Israel president in U.S. history, as being anti-Semitic. In a tweet from 2010, Wright Persanti tweeted, quote, I was going to say crappy Jew year, but one of my resolutions is to be less anti-Semitic. So happy Jew year, you Jews. You believe this, Mr. Producer? He oversees the politics writing coverage for the New York Times. In a uh, another tweet that included a picture of a car with a menorah on the roof, Wright piersanti wrote who called the jew police right piersanti who also wrote numerous racist things about indians i guess he doesn't support elizabeth warren began to aggressively delete his old tweets once they went viral on social media and eventually locked his twitter account so that people couldn't see other things he tweeted Hey, New York Times PR, I see that notorious Jew-hater and racist, your senior editor, set his hate-filled Twitter account to private. Donald Trump Jr. helped lead the charge in exposing the anti-Semitism of the New York Times by helping to amplify the voices of those who weighed in. He said, disgusting, but we shouldn't expect any better from the New York Times. This is who they are. Ted Cruz, once again, the New York Times condones anti-Semitism. And my next guest, Lee Zelvin, who will discuss this with us. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N dot com, or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN.
1: The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Well,
0: now... uh we know who the first two uh, women Muslims elected to Congress are. That would be Tlaib and, and Omar, and we're very grateful for that, of course. Uh, but, you know, Lee Zeldin is a—I think he's the only Republican Jewish member of the House, aren't you, Lee?
3: Well, we now have—we've doubled our caucus. We're still a few short <laughs> of a minion, but David Kustoff I see. from Tennessee's 8th District is now with us, too.
0: Well, Congressman Lee Zeldin, I don't see you in the newspaper saying our first or our, our, our only or one of two Jewish Republican members of the House of Representatives. They just say Lee Zeldin says,
3: hey, which is know, fine. I- exactly. It's uh, it's all good. We're fighting a good fight. And, uh, you know, it, we, we don't do labels as much on our side like what we see on the other side.
0: Now, you're a uh, military veteran, correct?
3: I am. Yes, sir. 80 Tell 80 us a little bit. Uh, so I was Army ROTC, military intelligence. Uh, switched over to the JAG Corps. Four years active duty. I've been in the reserves now for almost 12 years, and I'm um, lieutenant colonel. Uh, still drilling while serving in Congress. So I was in Iraq in '06 with uh, the All Americans, the 82nd Airborne Division, and it's uh, the, you know being in Congress in elected office, and whatever other jobs are ahead of me. Nothing is going to be as cool as serving with uh, the men and women, believing in a cause greater than themselves, willing to risk it all for our flag, our freedom, our Constitution, our liberties. Uh, that's as cool of a job as it gets.
0: Well, Lieutenant Colonel, that's a big, that's a big title there. Lieutenant Colonel, uh, when you hear these members of Congress trashing the country that you fought for, that you support, that you still serve in the military, trashing the country the way that they do, and then trashing Israel the way they do, you know, the, the, the overlapping connections between the two countries and the, and the belief systems and so forth. What goes through your mind when you hear this?
3: There's so much hate in their hearts, and it's shocking that they are freshman members, not, not rank-and-file backbenchers, but actually with the power to roll the Speaker of the House. These are members who have been serving less than a year, but between a Speaker, a House Majority Leader, and a House Majority Whip with over 97 and a half years in the House of Representatives, and all these other people who are fearful of Democratic primaries, they are all getting rolled by these two and their colleagues, especially AOC. Uh, And it's influencing their own policy. I mean, they've empowered, embraced, elevated Elon Omar to the House Foreign Affairs Committee. So it's a reflection not only of the values of these members when they open up their mouths and they support rhetoric that harms us, harms our allies, uh, but it also reflects on the values of those who aren't standing up to it either, people who are uh, in Congress, out of Congress, in the media, uh, it's, it's shocking, and so what we're experiencing in 2019, there's nothing like it.
0: And trying to turn Trump, I, I, I listen to this, and my jaw hits the ground like, what, are we stupid? We don't understand what's going on here? He's the, he's the, he is vocal in opposition to these women. He is vocal in his defense of the state of Israel. His actions speak for themselves. In the New York Times, every day there's something new coming out of the New York Times and they're anti-Semitic. Well, we got a cartoon, now we got a senior editor, forget about the Holocaust, blah, blah, blah. And, And Trump, we're told. And by the way, a lot of your Democrat liberal members, too, they want to turn this into a Trump issue. What do you make of that?
3: The president is filled with love towards the Jews and Israel, and he's delivered on promises that were made by presidents in the past, presidential candidates in the past, and it's a long list. It's, it's not even just one or two items, and it's not like he's been there for two full terms. So it's exciting to see not only what he's done, but also think about everything that's ahead, but trying to attack him as if he's anti-Semitic uh, with all his own rhetoric and his genuine love. And all of his policy victories. Where on the other side, they have nothing to say when Omar and Talib are putting forth an itinerary of a delegation visit. The top of it says to Palestine. I don't know if any of my colleagues have said anything that has a problem with that. But their support for for BDS. Uh, you have Talib's support for a one-state solution that would remove Jews from power in Israel. Talib just a few weeks ago was sitting on standing on the floor of the House of Representatives talking about how boycotting Israel is like boycotting Nazi Germany, and then we know all the anti-Semitism of Omar. But for so many people, I and mean, you're talking about the New York Times, they should be editorializing if they don't have double standards if if they were to have the right standard, uh, if they wanted to truly be able to to take that high road and be refereeing with a moral compass, they would be calling out all this darkness coming from these two members and those who enable them. But instead, they want to push this narrative because they hate Donald Trump so much. And as you referenced, there was this guy, Tom Wright-Piersanti, who it was uncovered uh, this morning, these old tweets, where he was self-describing himself as anti-Semitic
0: Now, let's get it straight. He's a senior editor for the New York Times who oversees their political coverage.
3: Right. The political editor. This isn't an intern. This is someone who is their political editor who is involved in the review and the approval process – for all these attack pieces that we have been reviewing. And on his Twitter feed, he was calling himself anti-Semitic. He was attacking Jews. He was attacking Native American Indians. He was attacking others. And as far as I know, the New York Times hasn't even put out a statement yet, let alone going to his desk as this was coming out this morning, telling me to pack up your crap and get out the door. Uh, He shouldn't even be there right now. Uh, but it's a double standard. It's just like Nancy Pelosi when she was refusing to name names and pass a, a resolution that singularly, emphatically, unequivocally, forcefully contend anti-Semitism and to remove Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee because they won't hold themselves to the same standards that they hold others. Same thing at the New York Times. They won't hold themselves to the same standards that they want to hold others. So this guy still has a job.
0: And some of the things that he said... In a tweet in twenty ten, and in twenty ten he was a full grown adult male, by the way. He says, I was going to say crappy Jew year, but one of my resolutions is to be less anti Semitic. So happy Jew year, you Jews. Now isn't this like uh stormfront stuff? You know, neo Nazi stuff.
3: This is this is propaganda that if if you saw this kind of rhetoric coming from a conservative media outlet of any sort we would have all been talking about it it would have been on it would have been on CNN it would be on MSNBC
0: it'd be on my show
3: every member of congress would have to uh, would be getting called from their local media national media asking why haven't you made a statement yet and instead they want to bury it so we're here watching this stuff uh, you know calling out the hypocrisy that we're witnessing the double standards the moral equivalencies Uh, And we're still waiting for a response from the New York Times. Just a a statement saying that they have a problem with it, uh, and this is the corrective action that we're going to take. I haven't heard anything.
0: In another tweet, picture of a car with a menorah on the roof. In this right, Piersanti, who's the senior editor in charge of political reporting at the New York Times, quote, who called the Jew police, unquote. And you're right, he doesn't just save it for Jews. Particularly goes after Native Americans. And it's been almost 12 hours now since this came out, and the New York Times has done nothing.
3: Yeah, and I've and, and heard nothing. It was trending on Twitter. Uh, Matt Boyle at, at Breitbart uh, had the initial article that came out first thing this morning. Good
0: for you, Matt.
3: Yeah, and, and all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of other reporting from, from people who, you know, they're, they're active on Twitter, but they're from, uh, they're from conservative media.
0: Uh, Have you seen anything on CNN?
3: Nothing on Have CNN. you seen
0: anything on MSNBC?
3: Nothing on MSNBC, and I know that it came up on Fox because I did, I, it came up in my conversation on Fox News earlier this morning.
0: So how, how, for the American people, the other media outlets love to attack Fox. Now, the New York Times now, in the last few months, they've published two disgusting anti-Semitic, almost Third Reich-like cartoons. Oh, I'm sorry, it got past our editor, you know. And now you actually have an editor who's in charge of all their political reporting, what's published. They see these tweets. Apparently there's no vetting done at the New York Times. Just come in the door, we'll hire you. What the hell, as long as you're a leftist. The New York Times never comes under criticism by the other newspapers. It's still held out as the gold standard. It's not the gold standard.
3: It's not. And, and there, is, there have been, with regards to you know CNN, for example, over the course of the last few weeks, multiple individuals where their social media feeds come to light where they they then quickly go and start scrubbing their twitter account as if by them deleting it it's going to just disappear my question when when this person deleted this old tweet that you referenced the first one about a happy jew year when he when he deleted it and said i'm sorry sorry for what what why do you just say i'm sorry and that's the end of it uh, so are you are you saying that you're no longer anti-Semitic? Well, when did you stop being anti-Semitic? This morning, when you, when you got caught and you deleted your tweet? Are you sorry for being anti-Semitic and offending Jews, or are you sorry that you got caught?
0: Yeah, the point uh, is it's been up there for nine years.
3: Yeah, so time and again, these people who are in the media, who are the judge, jury, and executioner of everything related to Donald Trump trying to make this man out, to in their minds and what they hope to their audience be an anti-Semite, to run out of town as as a racist and all of the worst possible character attacks that you can make of another human being. They don't hold themselves to that same standard, and and it's and it's a big issue. And meanwhile, the president of the United States, I, gosh, God bless him. I don't know how he's able to just stay entirely focused on being able to talk about all these substantive issues throughout the day from. You know, dealing with China to dealing with you know, and these foreign policy threats to our economy uh, and taking care of our vets and securing our borders, and that's a tough job as it is when you don't have so much of our country trying to, trying to take you down. But back in 2016, they were trying to talk, you know, tell the people that we're all uh, alt-right. In 2017, in the middle of 2017, talking about offensive, they said that we're all, we all became Nazis. And then in 2019 now, they're trying to make us all out to be racists and white supremacists. I don't know what they're trying to do with regards to their branding, but they are offending tens of millions of Americans who see the progress that's going on and just want to, when you put on the news, be able to get caught up on that day's events. And they're outraged that they can't do it anymore because of a business model of emotional instability, not yet coping with the 2016 election, and that's and that's why the president's going to get reelected, especially if the Democrats want to nominate you know someone like Elizabeth Warren. Gosh, I don't know who they have on their side who's going to be able to take him out.
0: Well, uh, Lee Zeldin, uh, a uh, man of no color, uh, and uh, I might add the uh, the first recent Jewish Republican. I'm, am I doing okay as a reporter here uh, in the House of Representatives? Leaves out on I want to send you a copy of Freedom of the Press. Will you read it?
3: Absolutely. would love to. Thank you.
0: This, this will underscore uh, everything you're saying. It's very, very important that people understand what's taking place here because these media outlets are controlling what the American people hear. And that's why when Donald Trump does these, these sort of romp uh, press events before he gets on the helicopter, why they're so very, very, very important so he can get his message out there. All right, my friend, I appreciate it very much, and uh, we'll send you, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a signed copy. Hey, Even better. Thank you <laughs> so much, sir. All right, God bless. Take care of yourself. You as well. Take care. All right, be well. Send him the signed copy, will you, Mr. Reducer? I promised it. All right, thank you. He's a good man. He's a patriot. He's a military man. And he got elected to the House because he wanted to help his country. And Now look at all this. I've been telling you about the New York Times before anybody else, anybody else. The history of the New York Times, an entire chapter on the New York Times, and look how the rest of the media sit there. Not a damn word from Chuck Todd. Not a damn word from Andrea Mitchell. Not a damn word from Jake Dapper. None of them trash the New York Times or each other. Only Fox, you see. They can only attack Fox. The good, the true, the beautiful. Think about how those concepts, think of those concepts for a second. What do they mean? How can one begin to understand these high and noble ideals? Folks, it starts with the right kind of education. This kind of education used to be common, but has become increasingly rare. It used to be that college students, young, young people, would study comprehensively a variety of subjects, from philosophy to politics to biology, from literature to history and so forth. A core curriculum, in other words. Sadly, that's not the case these days. But I can tell you about one place where young people study like this. It's called Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students work hard, spending more than half their time studying the core. The result, Hillsdale alumni are leaders with intelligence and character, ready to make a difference in their families, communities, and country. But it all starts with that core, the core that every student takes, the core that develops moral and intellectual virtue, the core that helps them understand the good, the true, and the beautiful. Find out more about what education is meant to be. Go to com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, com. I'll be right back. Mark
1: Levin.
0: With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. With Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com BrickHouseLevin.com Offer code LEVIN. (music) A few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. Call from your boss asking you to work the weekend. Early construction right outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. These will ruin your day. Or how about when your check engine light comes on? Now that usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. Now that's why I have CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's up to you. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield administrators have already paid out close to $2 billion in claims and they're ready to help you. That's why we have it for our 2010 Camaro. It's a beautiful car. But you know, it's getting up there. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate and extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CARS-6000 800-CARS-6000 and mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6000 mention code LEVIN a deductible may apply where's that music again oh. what do you want to hear uh, keep it lightly in the background what do you want to hear John Jeremendi hey you know what uh, if Trump wasn't president he'd be in a mental institution well you are in a mental institution you jerk it's called the House of Representatives Anna Navarro on CNN hey you don't have to be a mental health professional to see Trump as insane Really? And you don't have to be a mental health official to see that. You've got a 2IQ, you moron. Get off the stage. I'll be right back.
1: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post.
0: So we are uh, experiencing what must be the greatest era of massive, radical, progressive propaganda in American history. It is ubiquitous. I have to listen to the network news. My headphones are on at the top, and now I take them off. It's like Adam Schiff hands out the talking points, the narratives. But when you hear a fool like Chuck Todd preening. This guy should be in the corner with a dunce cap. And he acts like he's the principal of the school. It, it really is hard to take. These businesses, so-called these media businesses, are really quite pathetic. They don't care about the quality of their coverage. These, uh, these guys have quite a, uh, quite a thing going on. These Chuck Todd types and Jake Tappers. They got quite a gig. They're utterly incompetent. They are utterly ideologically driven. They are social activists. They know exactly what they're doing. Now and then they'll throw you a crumb. Or throw you a bone. And if you dare to question them, now you're attacking, you see, the Constitution, which you revere. Now they promote individuals who attack the Constitution. The New York Times itself attacks the Constitution. But if you criticize the New York Times, then they wave the Constitution in your face. You know, the 1619 Project, Dean Baquet, the top muckety-muck there, that America was born out of slavery. Well, then why don't we get rid of the First Amendment and freedom of the press? Because, you know, it was born out of slavery. Tell me, was the First Amendment born out of slavery? Freedom of speech? Freedom of religion, freedom of association, freedom of the press. Does that sound like that was born out of slavery to you? The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. The individual right to bear arms. Now, the left doesn't believe that. Maybe they were born out of slavery. But the individual right to bear arms. Does that sound like that's born out of slavery? Due process. Probable cause. Warrants issued by a court. Does that sound like they was born out of slavery? Cruel and inhuman punishment is banned by the Constitution. You know, torture. Does that sound like they was born out of slavery? None of it sounds like it was born out of slavery. Does it? The level of A mix of ideology and stupidity is just incredible. This is the lowest point in modern media. Well, beyond that, it is the lowest point that I can tell. I would much prefer the party media, or yellow journalism even. At least they were honest about what they were doing. Or the phony objective so-called media of the turn of the last century certainly the patriot press during the revolution but this press this press they don't love the country they don't revere our institutions they're destroying this country this media they are destroying the country I support freedom of the press I don't support freedom I mean, I support freedom of the press. I don't support pretending that this is a free press. Because it clearly is not. And again, they got they got quite a little gig going. So now when the president calls them out by name and he says what they are and what they're doing, and they know what they are and what they're doing. But they they are a massive propaganda machine right now. Pushing their radical agenda. Working hand in glove, wittingly and unwittingly, with the Democrat Party. Mostly wittingly, unless they're absolutely deaf, dumb, and blind. Because this is who they are. This is exactly who they are. I mean, should not there be a chorus of media criticism of the New York Times today? For its senior editor in charge of political reporting? Who clearly is a bigot Trashing Native Americans Trashing Jewish Americans Among others I mean and, and Applauding himself for being an anti-Semite And th- this is constant now at the New York Times It is a constant Can you imagine If it was a constant at the Fox News Channel It never happens at the Fox News Channel There's no anti-Semite there They don't allow anti-Semites on If it happens they'll they'll crush them immediate, immediately There's no racists on there There's no race baiting. If there is somebody, they'll crush it as fast as they can. But look at the New York Times. It is is a constant. And yet, they have done nothing about their senior editor overseeing their political coverage. It's been 12 hours. Just like MSNBC did nothing about Joy Reid. Her gay bashing. Which was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And there she sits. Or Al Sharpton and his long history of anti-Semitism and race baiting. He's actually hired by NBC's MSNBC. I think he has a weekend show. Who the hell knows? These are incredible things. This is why I've been saying and I will continue saying the Democrat Party and the media have an anti Semitism problem. Not the president, not the Republican Party. You know, it's time to paint, as the President Reagan would say, in bold colors. In bold colors. There's no loyalty tests. We're not talking about loyalty tests. We're talking about basic humanity, whether a country gets to survive or not, the case of Israel, the attack on our culture, our history, our founding, and the constant attack on our people today. The Democrat Party is running on slavery and reparations. The Civil War was over in 1865. They're running on slavery and reparations. And the funny thing is that party is responsible for slavery. Largely, and defending it. Largely. And the Klan. And Jim Crow, and all that went with Jim Crow. That's that party. And yet people are so enthralled with Marxist socialism. Which is also that party. That they're willing to deny the entire history of the Democrat Party. So why wouldn't a president of the United States, who's acted as he has acted, in defense of the state of Israel, even more than in defense of the state of Israel, and in the defense of Jews here in the United States by personally taking on Omar and Talib, there's no political benefit for him to do this. None. None. Does it sound like he's going to move the liberals? No, not many. So there's no political benefit in him doing this. The political benefit is with the liberal Democrats, particularly, and I say it as a Jew, the liberal Jewish Democrats who keep going on and on attacking Trump. That's good for them politically. So that's all they do. And so the president stands here and he says, I think the way he's thinking, he's probably thinking, don't you care about your own survival, political survival and actual survival? You're aligning with a party of... These anti-Semites that Nancy Pelosi won't, police won't get under control, who fears, who she fears. You're aligning with the newspaper, the New York Times, which censured the Holocaust. And look at it today with its senior editor. Look at it last month with the cartoons. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And then they announced to their staff, look, the Russia collusion thing, we got two Pulitzers. But you also got a Pulitzer for printing propaganda for Stalin against the Ukrainians in 1932-1933. You got a Pulitzer for that too. There's not another business on the face of the earth that could survive scrutiny for such a history. But I'm not even... Let's put the history aside. Look at today. Look at today. If Fox News had a senior news person, I've got to believe, that had tweets like that. It wouldn't take them 12 hours to issue a statement, let alone remove the person or at least suspend them. But the New York Times so far, it may act, has dug in. Silence. They wouldn't tolerate silence if somebody in the Trump administration had tweeted that stuff out in the past. But the other media are silent, too. The other media that attack Fox, the other media that attack the president, the other media that try to concoct controversy and provocation. Well, nobody's concocting anything. Look at what this guy tweeted. And of course, where are the Democrats in attacking the New York Times. We're the Jewish Democrats attacking the New York Times for failing to act. Where's Chuck Schumer today? Nowhere because they're in partner with the New York Times it's all about power it's all about agenda I'm unraveling this as I do in Unfreedom of the Press I'm unraveling this they will never take steps to condemn the New York Times in any significant fashion or in any prolonged fashion. They won't do it. Because they know if that goes down, they go down. Movies about Roger Ailes. Where's the movies? About Ox Sulzberger. During the 1930s and 40s. Where are the movies? There aren't any movies. We're the movies about the Today Show and Matt Lauer and all the rest of this sexual harassment and the rest went on? No, no, no. Only Ailes. That's the focus. We're not doing anything on the Today Show. How about Charlie Rose? Not, not doing anything on that. No, 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 no. We know our target and we know our audience. I want Hollywood to know. I want the media in Washington to know. I want the media in Manhattan to know. There are tens of millions of people who are on to you. Who completely distrust you. For good reason. You have destroyed your credibility. That was the warning you were given in 1947. That you have the capacity to destroy yourself. Doesn't mean you'll necessarily go out of business or may not necessarily go out of business right away. And in terms of being professionals, you've destroyed your credibility. Chuck Todd has no credibility with half the country. And so he plays to the other half. It's exactly what Don Lemon does when he's not in a bar. Oh, never mind. It's exactly what Fredo Cuomo and the other Fredos there do at CNN. No, I didn't invent the term. My buddy Chris planted. I'm just messing with it. But he doesn't like it, so that is Fredo, so I like to repeat it. It's what they do over at MSNBC, day in and day out. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lovin.
0: Well, if you don't think it's stupid enough on uh, media TV, then... Just wait a minute. We have Casey Hunt, who apparently is a host on MSLSD, with Chuck Todd. What happens when you add two negatives together, Mr. Producer? Let's say a negative 17 and a negative 34. Well, you have a negative 51. IQ. Cut 10. Go.
3: Can I just say, character-wise, let's elect a woman, okay? That is, like, nonsense that's been coming from our male politicians of all parties. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm tired of it.
2: <laughs> yeah. You don't want to worry about character. Yeah, 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 one.
0: yeah. Right, that, that's right. That's right. Women have better character than men. So so now, so now again, we're into the groupthink and the stereotypes. Women have better character than men. They're never catty with each other. No gossip. No adultery. Nothing. Nothing. Women are perfect. So let's elect a woman. Not Sarah Palin, you know, not a conservative woman. No, no, no. You know, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris. You know, a woman. like that kind of woman. Did you ever hear that said when Sarah Palin was running? <laughs> no, Sarah Palin. Stupid and gibber and she did it and chat. But Casey, let's elect a woman. What they always mean is let's elect a liberal fill in the blank. Your media, ladies and gentlemen. You know, these men, they're always fighting with each other. Let's elect a woman. Because they don't fight with each other. No. You see this race in Arizona last time between the two women candidates for the Senate? Oh, my Lord. Were the brass knuckles out or what? Or this uh, Abrams in uh, Georgia. I wouldn't elect her to a damn thing. She's a liar. A propagandist. Day in and day out, pushing that crap that she won the election when she lost the election. That you see, well, that's what we need, um, more more women. That'll fix it. You don't judge individuals anymore by their heart and their soul and their mind. No, their genitalia, their skin color, you know, all kinds of stuff that apparently really turns on the newsrooms in America. Well, let's do it this way. How many women run CNN? I think it's a guy. He's a little feminine, but I, I, he's, a, he's not a woman. Jeffrey Motherzucker. I believe last time they checked, he was a guy. But what do I know? And why does it matter? And what if he's transitioning? I can't assume. I'm not allowed to assume. Let's pretend it's San Francisco. I, I, I don't know what's going on in there. I don't know what bathroom he uses. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Whatever. At, let's move over to NBC and MSM. A guy by the name of Andrew Lack. I don't know what he lacks. Genitalia, backbone. I don't know what it is. None of my business. But it's Andrew Lack. No woman there. Why don't we start in our newsrooms? Why isn't that a woman? I mean, I don't think so. Am I allowed to say? I I, I mean, am I allowed to... From a distance, I'm observing. Doesn't appear to be. So what's the problem? What's the other one? Got CBS. Well, that's actually run by a woman. Now, she inherited it, but nonetheless, it's run by the daughter, Redstone. We can move around and see uh, how many women are actually running things in the media. I don't really care personally, but apparently uh, Casey Hunt does. And she sounds like a loudmouth, by the way. Woman, no woman, I don't like loudmouths. Unless it's mine. When we return, Andy McCarthy. I'll be right back.
1: This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811.
0: Last week I told you how the Department of Health and Human Services wanted to adopt the Bernie Sanders idea of allowing states to import drugs without a system to ensure that those drugs would be safe. Well, this week we're learning that HHS wants to include yet another one of Bernie Sanders' harebrained ideas in the President's new proposal for health care reform. The idea is to import foreign price controls from socialist countries. You like that idea? Well, it's known as international price indexing, and this proposal will be the first step towards socializing our health care, starting with the availability of prescription drugs. The results of price indexing would be the same as they are in countries with socialized medicine, rationing, less access to the latest and most important treatments, and a loss of needed investment to get the next treatment breakthroughs. These changes will undoubtedly cost America standing as the world's innovator in new drug treatments, and it could cost lives. So far, conservatives are resisting the changes. Let's hope so. The answer to lower drug costs is always the same. Transparency, competition, and the market system. Not more crackpot socialist ideas. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. One of my longtime buddies is Andrew McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney out of the Southern District of New York. How long have I known you, Andy? I don't even know anymore.
4: Oh, Mark's got twenty
0: years. Twenty years now? Good. Well, you're looking good. I'm certainly not. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) I I want to thank you for all your. Remarkable analysis over the last couple of years as this, I consider it the greatest scandal this country has ever faced from within a federal government, within an administration against a candidate and now against uh, another administration. And uh, because it gets complicated and the media say they're connecting dots when in fact they're, uh, they're whitewashing many, many significant events. And what you've done here in bowl of confusion, and by the way, I love that song, the Temptations. <laughs> <clears throat> what you've done here in your wonderful book, Ball of Collusion, is you not only cover it all, you dissect it all, which is important in the coming days, weeks, and months with the Inspector General's report coming out and criminal investigations taking place. So first of all, let me ask you a question like this. How do you write a book while events are still transpiring? I mean, you're, you're, you're writing it right up to the deadline, aren't you?
4: you are and I Mark this was the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I I underestimated how hard it would be to write about something that was still happening and I had a different concept for it at the beginning than than what I ended up with at the beginning what I wanted to do was do a case study of the Clinton emails investigation and a case study of the the so-called Trump-Russia investigation or Russiagate or what have you and justify anyone of objective goodwill to say that there were not two standards of justice that were used. And I got into the collusion part of it first and I realized if I followed through with my original plan, I'd write a thousand-page book and who the hell wants to read a a book like that, right? So I, I realized at a certain point that I had to break off something that, that could be treated as a, as a kind of a standalone. And I was already kind of neck deep in the, in the collusion stuff. Um, so I thought that probably the most important part of this is the, the exploitation for political purposes of the intelligence apparatus and the law enforcement processes of the government in the service of a political campaign in the information age when it's being coordinated by somebody who's like an alinsky trained uh... radical like the people who are running the obama administration from the very top and who understand better than i think people realize that that the process really is the uh... the penalty and that when you're running the levers of of government what kind of mischief you can make so I are you are you,
0: are you are you suggesting the Obama administration colluded with the Clinton campaign and that this has threatened our national security system?
4: Yes, uh, that's precisely what I'm saying. And I think there's immense evidence that there was collusion between the Obama administration and the Clinton campaign, that the intelligence apparatus and the law enforcement processes were put in the service of it, of the Clinton campaign, against the political opposition. And Mark, this is the most important part, probably, because what what draws me to this topic more than anything else is the fact that I worked national security cases the last decade or so. I was in the Justice Department and it gave me an appreciation that I hadn't had before I started to work terrorism cases, that national security and foreign counterintelligence is the one part of the government where they have to be able to look you in the eye and say, you can trust us to wield these powers. And that's a big deal because if we don't have these powers, we can't protect the country. I've seen that. And what I worry about with this escapade is, is a lot more, I mean, I worry about the, 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 the politics of it in the here and now and the, the way that it's affected President Trump's ability to govern but I think much more important than all of that is if the public doesn't think that the government can wield these towers in a, in a just way for the appropriate reason they're there for, namely to protect the government, to protect the public from foreign threats to our security, and they don't think that we can hold people accountable when these towers get abused, they're going to cry out that these towers get peeled back or even repealed and what I fear is that you can't protect the country without being able to, to keep secrets uh, and, and actually do intelligence. So to, to divert it the way it was done here and to use it for political purposes is so short-sighted and so dangerous for the country.
0: Do you think, I mean there's no evidence yet, but do you think that Barack Obama personally knew that some of this was going, you know, it's been my contention, Andy McCarthy. How could he not? Some of it was leaked into the newspapers. How could yeah. he, Even some of the FISA information was starting to pop up in the newspapers while he was still president of the United States. Plus, as you point out in your book, he had a big debriefing. Yeah. Tell us well, about this. Yeah, oh.
4: Mark. See, see, here's the thing. I, I feel like I make people's eyes blaze over a little bit because, as you know— Not mine, baby.
0: This, I'm with you. No, I
4: know. I know. But, you know, I've, I've stressed from the beginning— that this was done as counterintelligence rather than as a criminal investigation. And one of the big deals about that is that I think counterintelligence was used as a pretext because they didn't have a criminal predicate to do a criminal investigation. But the other reason that it's important is that counterintelligence is only done for the president. There's no other reason to do it. So criminal investigations are different we don't want politics to control them it's about the the vindication of the rule of law in judicial proceedings and there's a lot of judicial oversight there's you know congressional statutes that apply and we don't want politics to intrude on that but on the other hand counterintelligence is only political in the sense that it's only done for the president and if if it if the system is operating the way that it should be working It's not only that the president could be informed about it. If there's an important counterintelligence investigation, the president must be informed about it because that's the only reason you do counterintelligence in the first place. So just the way they set this up, it was more than appropriate for the president to know about it. But in fact, we have a lot of indication uh, in the factual record that we already know about, and I think we'll find out more over time, that Obama was fully informed of what was going on here, and that it couldn't have happened unless he green-lighted it.
0: I've always said people never focus on the daily intelligence briefs. Right. And these daily, and I happen to be familiar with them. And they come, at, at least when Reagan was president, they would come twice a day. And it seems to me, if you really believe that the candidate of the other party is somehow colluded up with, the, uh, with, the, with, the, with Putin, an enemy of this country, uh, that there's at least some information that would be provided the President of the United States, as you point out, why not?
4: Yeah, if, if that was true, Mark, if, if what they theorized and what they went back repeatedly and told the FISA court, you know, in every single, people don't uh, haven't focused in on this, uh, I think, as much as they should, in every FISA application that the government made to get spying warrants on Carter Page, The FBI and the Obama Justice Department has started with the Obama Justice Department, and it was run after that by Obama holdovers in the Justice Department. But in every application they made to the court, they said that we believe, after laying out what what Russia's interference in the election had been, they say, we believe that Carter Page and perhaps others in the Trump campaign are complicit – In this cyber espionage conspiracy that russia is engaged in so that was their position now if you really believe that um it would be irresponsible for whoever the incumbent administration was not to investigate this so it's not only that they could if you really thought you had a russia plant here you would you would be obliged to do it but there's no way you and i have been in in government enough to know there's no way that an investigation of that importance, where you're talking about the possibility that the next president could be a Soviet stooge, there's no way that the president is not informed about that, and we don't have to speculate about it because we know it was true. You you just asked me a moment ago about the, uh, you know, about one of the big meetings that I framed the book around. Well,
0: I want to I want to ask you about yep. that, and, and I don't know your schedule. Do you have a few more minutes for us?
4: Of absolutely sure
0: because I want to take a break now. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead, Mr. Producer, and post this on my social sites, link it to Amazon, Ball of Collusion. This is a fascinating book. No, we don't know everything, and any McCarthy arms us with a ton of crucial information. You can hear it right now. And you can go to Amazon.com for Ball of Confusion, any main bookstore. You can go to uh, Costco. You can go to uh Oh, Barnes & Noble, one of my favorite stores anywhere. But you can quickly go to uh, Amazon.com and have it tomorrow, which I strongly suggest. This is an outstanding book. You know, I don't have authors on here left and right, but this is an outstanding book. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. confusion, baby. The Genesel summer blowout sale is here, ladies and gentlemen. All prices slash drastically in August. A $30 instant coupon is applied automatically to your web or phone orders. It's that easy. Just go to Genesel.com or call. What is the number, Mr. Producer? 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. I have it memorized. 800-SKIN-604. Now, here's Cheryl from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Wow. The very first time I tried the jawline treatment, I could immediately feel the tightening sensation. I've been using it for a week. The results are visible, very. My jawline looks so much younger. Time to stock up on the best skin care, folks, or try the luxury and effectiveness of Genesel at the lowest prices of the year. Right now, when you order the original Genesel for your under-eye bags and puffiness, the jawline treatment's yours absolutely free. And start seeing results in 12 hours. genocell Media Effects is also free. 800SKIN604 or Genesel.com. $30 instant coupon. Automatically off your order in August. Right now if you act. Call 800SKIN604 or go to Genesel.com. 800SKIN604, genocell.com. The, the book is Ball of Confusion. Outstanding book by my buddy Andy McCarthy. Andy, quickly, that I think it was January 5th meeting, the end of the Obama presidency. All the bigwigs are pulled into the Oval Office for a, like a last minute uh, or a last moment uh, sharing of information.
4: Yeah, Mark, it's it, it's so last minute that Susan Rice decides to write a CYA memo about it when she's out of power for 15 minutes, you know, two and a half weeks later. <laughs> um, but this is o- Obama Rice, who is the national security uh Director then, and Vice President Biden, who may be asked a question or two about this at some point, I hope, uh, meeting with uh, with Comey, who was then the FBI Director, and Sally Yates, who was then acting as the Attorney General. And the agenda for the meeting clearly is what information they have about Russia that they must withhold from the incoming Trump team. And this is important because the next day, They're supposed to go up to brief President Trump on this assessment of Russia's interference in the campaign that Obama ordered to be done, you know, within a matter of days. Uh, And they actually, as we know, they do, in fact, go up to Trump Tower and they give Trump a briefing on a very small sliver of what we now know as the Steele dossier but withhold the major portions of it. You know, everybody is all uh, transfixed by the salacious part of it uh, about the, you know, supposed sexual activity. And what, what people don't focus on is what... Come- Can you imagine if Comey had said to Trump, oh, and by the way, Mr. President-elect, I, I forgot to mention, um, we've been in the FISA court for mm-hmm. uh, about three months investigating your campaign. So it's your around allegation
0: around it. that they covered up the vast majority of what they've been doing, and in that way they kind of set him up because he was furious about the personal allegations about him in that hotel room.
4: Yeah, that's right, Mark. The challenge that they were dealing with is how do we keep this investigation alive when Trump is now going to be president and have the power to shut it down? And I'm convinced that the way they did it was to try to give him a comfort level that he wasn't actually a suspect. But set up the investigation in a way that you couldn't possibly do it without collecting information on the president, in the hope that some at some point they'd come up with something incriminating.
0: And yet, look at what happened, Annie McCarthy. Two years of this, a special counsel, allegations of obstruction, and where's Barack Obama? Nobody asks him anything. No. He's buying a fifteen million dollar estate, a Mathis Vineyard. He's making fortune, hand over fist. Nobody wants to know where he is. Nobody wants to ask him about anything. What did he know? When did he know it? Did he orchestrate any of it? In the greatest political scandal, in my humble opinion, <laughs> excuse me, certainly in my lifetime, when he was the president of the United States. No, his name never comes up. And yet the victim, in my personal view... Is the guy who's viewed as some kind of perpetrator. Do I have this mixed up? I mean, your subtitle is an Election, the plot to rig an election and destroy presidency.
4: Yeah, Mark, I, I think that, you know, uh, we don't see Obama because we have all these other people out front. But for example, with the Hillary Clinton emails thing, Obama goes public in April of 2016 that he doesn't think Mrs. Clinton should be charged. Nobody suggests that he's obstructing justice by doing that, by the way. But to me, as soon as he makes that clear, everything else is just details. And Comey's out front, and Lynch is out front, and there's other people out front. But the fact of the matter is they were never, ever going to charge her, no matter how much evidence there was. And on the other end of this equation, as we, as we started discussing before, this is counterintelligence. It's done for the president. This investigation would not have happened if President Obama hadn't been supportive of it, and he was briefed along the way.
0: Quick questions. Have you been interviewed by the New York Times for your book? I have not. Have you been interviewed by the Washington Post for your book? No. Has there been any inquiry from, say, CNN or MSNBC or Meet the Press?
4: No, I don't think so.
0: Not that you're aware of, correct? Correct. They want this thing to continue with their narrative, don't they? they I mean, this is, this, is a, a, this is a factual book where you're drawing conclusions based on your own experience and background. Nobody considers you like a rabid partisan. Uh, And uh, let me just say this. Audience, this is the time to act. Levinites, the book is Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a President. There's nobody better on this than Andrew McCarthy. And I hope you'll go get your copy at Amazon.com or any reputable bookstore or even irreputable bookstore. Andy, good luck to you, my friend, and God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow, folks. Be well.
4: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.